So let me go ahead and start reading. So I'm going to start with Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then we go to the next one in Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I gave you. And this time Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Like I said, you notice chapter 1, he disobeys. Chapter 3, he obeys. What happened in the middle? Let's read Jonah chapter 2. So this is about 10 verses, so stick with me as I'm reading through it. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All of your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought me my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So we're going to be taking some time to look at Jonah 2 in a second. We're going to engage with it together. I'm excited about it. But first, let's start with the question of the week. I posted this one yesterday, and I had literally only a few people reply. So thank you for those who did reply. Uh, so it's, it's, I think it's a tough question. I think maybe it's a deep question somewhat. Sometimes when things get too deep, people just don't care to answer. <laughs> so let's go ahead and look at the question for the day. And, it, and the question is, how do we handle the rebelliousness of ourselves and others towards God? You know, Jonah, we can say, was rebellious. Can, can you agree with me? He did the opposite of what God intended. So how do we handle that? You know, I want to build this question up a little bit just by uh, building some context. Do you all know what the word rebellious means? To rebel? Yeah, and to go against what? It's engaging in opposition to an established order. So there is an order that's established that you want to go against. God had given him a command, and he wanted to go directly opposite that. That's called rebellion. Can you agree with me? So I think we live in a society today that is very rebellious. They, people like to rebel. And I learned this firsthand as a teacher. You know, a young teacher was very trusting of people. You know, like if someone said, go to the restroom, I'd be like, sure, go ahead. Do what you need to do. <laughs> I learned very quickly <laughs> going to the restroom doesn't mean going to the restroom most of the time. Right? I remember like I have had a few times where like the restroom, I, I know it's coming from this way and they'll be coming from this way. Let's say, where did you go? And, you know, the liars would be like, oh, this bathroom is broken. And I know that bathroom is working, but they'll say the bathroom is broken, so I had to go to the other one. Some will be honest, though, and say, I just wanted to wander the hallway. 
<laughs> so those are the nice ones. I love when they're at least honest to me about their rebellion. <laughs> but I learned very quickly. So I started doing things like, hey, come on, like, you can hurry. Like the ones who wandered, really, man, you know, got five minutes. I know sometimes you have to go use the restroom and sit. But all of it to say, we live, we live in a society that likes to rebel a little bit. Even social media today, people love to be rebellious to gain views from people. It's really crazy what people do. Like, they will break norms so that people will watch their videos. There was a guy in the UK last week who his, people do this all the time. They'll just walk into someone random's house, sit on the couch, and just say, oh, I walked into the wrong house. So he's recording himself walking to some random family's house. The wife is like, what are you doing? And she's like, she calls her husband. They're panicking because they have a little kid in the house. And he's like, oh, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I walked into the wrong house and he leaves. Well, they found out he put that, posted it online, again, to get views. And they prosecuted him. And now he went to jail for, <laughs> for breaking and entering. <laughs> well, people are crazy today. People want to be rebellious. So, you know, there's like a, almost like a, what's the word, like a flair in rebellion. When, you re when you're a rebel, it's kind of like cool. So it's sad, though, because that seeps into our churches. You know, people do the opposite sometimes of what God wants. And, you know, God has such a beautiful life intended for all of us. You know, the beauty is, you know, when he made the world, he made it good. And in Genesis 1, he said he made it very good. He had this beautiful life for all of us. For every person, regardless of whatever, he has a beautiful life, I think, for every person even here today. And many times it's our rebellion that takes us out of that. And we have to just be honest with ourselves to say, okay, how do we handle that? Because like we sang today, our hearts are prone to wander. Like we naturally will deviate from God, what God wanted. So how do we manage ourselves? I'm just going to say one more story of this, uh, and then we'll get into the, I'll let you guys answer. But um, as I've been posting my podcast, it's been interesting. Like random people will reach out and just say like how they appreciate it. And um, I had one guy after last week's reach out to me and say, you know, you know, I was talking about being committed to church. And he was like, man, I loved all your points. I really appreciated it. And so I said, okay, like, so are you committing to any church anywhere? He was like, honestly, I don't think I need church. I was like, what? <laughs> you literally just said you agreed with all of the points. And so I, I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, I don't think I need church in my life. Like, I don't think my spiritual growth. But I was like, you literally just said all of those points were good. He's like, I agree, it's good. I know it's a good thing, but I just don't need it. I'm like, what? <laughs> and all I could say as I was reflecting this week, it's just rebellion. There's a sense of, okay, I know what, that's, what you're saying is right. He's like, I I'm young. I'm in my mid to late 20s. I'm just young. Let me live my life. I know you did the same thing, Sam. He told me this. You do the same thing when you were. And I was like, no, I didn't. I, I cared a lot about God then. And he's like, well, okay, this is me right now. And so it's just interesting, just the fact that like, we are just pushing against God. We are pushing, even though it's, we have some of the best speakers today, we have people breaking down theology today, and we'll just push against it. So my question today is, how do we handle that? How do we handle that? Sometimes for ourselves, we can start that, or we can even think about other people. You know, when I was thinking about that, when my friend sent me that message and said, I just don't care, that literally broke my heart. 
I was like, you agree with it and you just don't do it. I literally, like, I'm telling you this, it broke my heart to the point of me, I went and just cried with God. I was like, God, I don't even know what to do anymore. Like, I try to articulate myself well. I try to spend time in your presence. I just don't know what to do to help. But we're going to get into Jonah 2 and talk about that. And we'll see how Jonah shifted his rebelliousness towards obedience. So we're going to take some time looking at the verses. And I love it because spending time in the Word is always an important thing. An important thing. So let's go ahead and read this real quick and notice what Jonah is talking to God. And Jonah says, from inside the fist, Jonah prayed to the Lord. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and he listened to my cry. You hurled me from the depths into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. So what do we observe first? What is Jonah saying? Okay. Yes, in my distress, I called. Keep going. Other observations that you guys see. Okay, what is he describing? Can y'all explain what he... Under the sea. Yes, little mermaid. <laughs> Under the sea, right? <laughs> so this is his, his depiction or his articulation of what he felt as he was going in the water. Right? Because if we don't know the story, what happened was Jonah um, was on the boat. He was going the opposite way to Tarshish. And then there was a big wave. And they were like, okay, why is this happening? So they threw these crates off and they were trying to do whatever to save themselves. And finally they said, okay, maybe that's a spiritual thing. So they drew straws and they said, whoever it falls on is the person that's the problem. And it fell on Jonah. And Jonah, then they were like, Jonah, what did you do? And he, they were like, I ran away from God. And so what did they say that he should do? They threw him over the boat. And but they were like, this will help the situation. And Jonah accepted it. And so Jonah was thrown into the water, like almost to die. And so this is honestly his depiction of it. And we keep reading four to six. I have said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. He's getting a little bit like, he's like giving us a good picture of what he was feeling. Can y'all agree with me? To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. And so here is, I think, the first step, I believe, towards conquering um, rebelliousness. I think you have to see the depth of your problem. If you don't recognize the depth of the problem, you will never be able to move towards a solution. I have a picture of an iceberg up there. And many times, you know, we look at our problems and we see small things, you know. But a lot of times, if you dig deep enough, you recognize how deep some of our problems can be. So he saw the consequences of his actions. You know what I mean? Like, he was able to describe it pretty well. Like, it's like he articulated his problem. I was in distress. I'm in the deep, right? The very heart of the sea. The currents were swirling over me. Uh, the engulfing waters threatened me. Like you have to come face to face with your situation in order for you to move past your rebellion towards something better. Otherwise, you will always continue to go towards your rebellion. If you're okay with the situation, you will continue living in the situation. Does that make sense? I'll give you an example of this. You know, from a young age, grades were important to me. And so I had a bad habit of cheating. From the third, like I remember even from a young age, like we had spelling tests and we had these cubbies and I kept my spelling list there 
And if I didn't know a word, I would slip it out because we had all these things, like the, the things around. And I would write the right thing. And I would be so happy because I would get 100 on the test. So I had, I, had, I had started developing cheating. And guess what? No one caught me. So I was like, whatever. Then finally, in the fifth grade, we had a multiplication test. And I remember I had, I was really, like God gifted me with math. So I was good with the numbers. I had nine 100. So they had stickers on the board. And the 10th one was empty. And I needed one more 100 to get the 10th sticker. And I was so excited about it because today was the day I was going to get it. And I did the 50 problems in a minute. I don't know if y'all remember doing the 50 problems in a minute. And I got 49 of them right. I missed one. I deserve the sticker, okay? <laughs> so I literally got my paper back. I, I erased the wrong answer and I put the right answer because I saw what I did wrong. And so I went to the teacher who was a substitute and I was like, I can get her. She's a substitute. So I said, hey, you y'all graded this wrong. And actually, we swapped it. So I actually told the person next to me graded it wrong. I, w I got this one right. So the teacher looked at it, and the teacher said, you erased this one, but all the other ones you changed, you scratched it out. Because during the test, I would just scratch it out and put the right answer. Why did you erase this one? I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I was, I was like, literally, literally I, was like, I, I could feel like, oh my gosh, my parents are going to find out. Everyone was like looking at me because I brought it up to the teacher in front of everyone. And then I was thinking, man, I called out another student. And she was like, okay, it's fine. Go sit down. Because she could see like I was like, like we're nervous. <laughs> She's like, just go sit down. Don't do it again. <laughs> and I promise you from that day, I never cheated again. Because I saw the consequences. I did not want any of those things. So even from that test, I was like this. Like I literally put my elbow around my test. If someone asked me, I would be like, Shh, be quiet. And like I, would, I, would, I became that kid because I didn't want to go there anymore. So it made me think, where did the change happen? I recognized the extent of the problem. I'm almost glad I got caught because all of those negative feelings came to me. So I want to encourage you, you have to recognize the extent of your problem in order for you to start to have change. And then we begin to think, what is the life that God has intended for you? He's wanted wholeness in your character. He wants you to be loving and kind and patient. And many times it's like we're okay with not being those things because we don't think it's a big deal. If I'm impatient, who cares? If I'm not loving towards someone, who cares? You have to look at yourself and say, okay, my character is not where it needs to be. This is a problem. Look at your family life, right? How is your relationship with the people around you? And, you know, the hard part is sometimes it may not even be you. But I do believe that the first step towards betterment is admitting that there's something wrong. So maybe it's your family life. Maybe it's your personal problems. Maybe it's the calling that God has for you. You know, God has a calling for every person. And I believe 90% of people don't live in that calling. They don't even know that calling. And the problem is they don't even care that they don't know the calling. Right? You have to look at yourself and begin to admit there are things wrong. You have to be the one. You know, we're good at admitting the wrong of other people. Malayalis are great at this. We love talking about other people's problems. Spend time talking about your problems. Spend time with yourself. And you know the hard part, I've recognized this, the hard part is it can get overwhelming. When you look at, man, I lack patience, or man, my family situation's not the best, those things can get overwhelming. You know, even this week, you know, we were trying to clean out the closet, 
in, in preparation for the baby. And so, you know, you know, one of some of the best ways to start dealing with yourself is just to take everything out. So literally everything in my closet, I just took it all into the room. Every dress, every shirt, every pant, and our room was covered in clothes. And Hepsi came into the room, and it was like 9.30 at night, so this is my fault. I, I started doing this a little late. She's like, what are you doing right now? And I was like, I'm cleaning. <laughs> I'm getting my life in order. She's like, what is wrong with you? Like, and for her, it was, there's too much. It's overwhelming when we think about these things, when we think about the extent of our issues. But I want to encourage you, if you want any chance at betterment, if you want any chance of stopping this wandering from God, you have to start to say, he, I have a problem, and it is a big problem. You know, the sad part is that many of us, even if it comes to our face, even if someone were to tell us we have a problem, we won't ever admit it. Even think about Jonah. Jonah literally saw this storm happening. The people on the boat were like, hey, man, can't you pray? Nothing in his mind said, okay, maybe I did something wrong in this. You know, it's like everyone else, it's everyone else's fault. You know, even when you deal, you know, I've dealt with people that, even families, like the wife thinks the husband is fully wrong and the, the husband thinks the wife is fully wrong. Or you talk to parents and kids and the kids are like, my parents are terrible. And the parents are like, my kid is so rebellious. Everyone is so good at, good at looking at other people's issues. No one ever wants to look at their own issues. So you have to take a second and just spend time with yourself and admit to yourself. Because when Jonah admitted is when the healing happened. When Jonah admitted, other people were saved. When Jonah admitted, there was good for him. So I want to ask you one question from this. What is one area in your life that you have lived in rebellion to God, whether that is your character, personal life, or relationships? Clearly write it down. And, you know, this is an interesting thing in this is, this is for everyone. I think we all wander from God. So be intentional and dig. What are the byproducts of your actions? Think about that. And so if you have a phone, feel free to like write it down. You don't have to do it now, but I, I can post the question later. But I really want you to think, because it's too easy to just hear a sermon and move on. Just like Jonah was intentional to dig inside of himself and to talk about his issue, spend time with yourself and spend time with your issue. I'll end with our last point. And um, the last point we're going to pick up from the last few verses, but really take time. And I'll encourage you to talk about this with someone. I think for growth to happen, you, need, you should talk things out loud. This is what a church is for. I'll tell you my issue and we'll, we'll talk together so we can hold each other accountable. Let's go to this, the, the last few verses. And so here's the beautiful thing. I'm going to read it real quick and then we'll, we'll kind of reflect on what Jonah did to end. So in verse 6 through 10, it says, To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. So he's continuing to talk about his issues. But here's the beautiful part. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. To those, to those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God. Those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. So again, I'm going to ask you guys again, one last time of observing. We're almost done. What do you observe from this? 
First, he explains his issue in depth. But then what does he do next? Yeah, say that again. He looks to God, exactly. I think what he, you know, the, the more you talk about the depth of your issue, the more God has meaning in your life. I think for many of us, we are flippant towards our issue, and we kind of just are like, whatever. And so God is whatever to us. But when you understand the depth of the problem, then you'll recognize the, depth, the height of the solution. He is so wonderful. You understand this? Like He's able to say, salvation comes from God. People can't say that today because they don't think they have a problem. The second you say you have a problem, God becomes that much more meaningful to you. And so what I want to end with is he saw the greatness of God. And this is getting at the idea of the fear of God. We've lost that, right? You know, I have a picture of a tornado up there. Whenever I lose fear of God, I just go look at natural calamities. I don't know if anyone ever does this. I'll just go to YouTube. Have you ever looked at a tornado? I'm just like, geez, Louise, that is so scary. Like this week I was driving to Waxahachie and it just, the storm clouds were crazy and you start to see like clouds forming. And I, I just wonder, imagine if I were to ever see that, that would petrify me. I can't even imagine a hurricane. Have you like, look at pictures of hurricanes. It's like literally almost covering states right, all over the water. It's massive. And then it makes me think for a second, God is bigger than all of that. My goodness, how big is our God, right? You have to just for a moment recognize how big our God is. And so as you begin to overwhelm yourself with your problems and say, oh my gosh, I have so much wrong in me, you look to God and say, man, you're able to handle all of it, God. Your affection towards God grows when you understand how much you can't do it yourself. Your affection for God grows when you realize the chaos of life apart from God. It's like he fills in and he does so much better than you could ever do. But I think it starts with you just saying, God, there's, it, there's a problem. And as you start with the depth of your problem, you realize how good he is. And I'm going to give you an example of this. And I'll, I'll be done. So, you know, when one of the greatest pro issues that I've dealt with in my life, one of the greatest prayers of my life was, God, I want to wake up every day loving to go to work. I think that is something every human should have. So many people go to work and they hate it. You understand, like, they say, like, Sunday nights is the nights for the most heart attacks. You know why that happens? People are dreading going to work on Monday. People do not like going to work. So that was always a prayer of mine, God, help me. And so, you know, when I was thinking about what major I wanted to do, I, you know, I gravitated towards math. So I did math and then I thought, what could I do? And I thought, you know, teaching is this noble profession where I could impact lives. So again, I went towards this answer, where could I find meaning and a job I love? So the first place I taught um, was terrible. Uh, as in, maybe that's an understatement to say, like, I felt like I went through hell many times there. Like, I had these classes that were terrible. Like, I remember I had a conference period before the class, and my stomach would start to hurt because I think I was developing an ulcer thinking about the class. And so it was terrible. And so I really understood the depth of the problem. There are so many who have, a, like, they don't 
have a job they love. And I was one of those people. And it was like, God, I was trying to do what you need of me. So then I went to seminary and I was like, God, I need some more of you. So I studied further about God. And then I began just searching, God, there has to be a job out there for me. And I remember every morning I would just pray, God, give me a job that I love. Well, in the midst of that, um, my grandma was home. And so I, I spent some time taking care of her. And, you know, it was this interesting thing that, you know, God, if you will submit yourself to God and understand the extent of your issue, God will take care. Like, that's the assurance I can give you. God will take care. And it may not happen in your time, but if you will submit, it will be so much better than what you could do. So I remember I was like, I almost got so many jobs. I have my math degree, so I almost got an insurance job. And I remember I got to the final interview, and I didn't get it. They took another guy. And then I, so I started studying actuary. And I remember I passed my first exam, and I had interviews, and I got to the last interview. I almost got my foot in the door, and they were like, no, we think we're going to go a different direction. I got very used to people saying, we're going to go a different direction. Okay? <laughs> right? So I was all like, okay, whatever. But I'm still trusting God. And it was so cool, though, like God, when God moves, he makes it so much better. I remember one of, my, um, one of my church members invited me to come speak at a HOSA event at her school. And so, you know, I was, I, you know, I'm like, I was just speaking. I'm just a normal speaker. So I went and spoke there about leadership and things like that. And it ended up being in this school right now. And I was at, it was, she was from Rockwell Heath. And she was inviting me to Sunnyvale. And so I spoke, and it went really well. And the assistant principal for the school was sitting in the front row. And it went really well. And afterwards, she was like, that was amazing. Thank you for sharing. And she was like, would you like to teach? And this is a time when I didn't have a job. So I was like, sure. Like, I'm happy. <laughs> Do you give me a job? And she's like, actually, we don't have a job right now. And I'm like, why would you tell me that? <laughs> why would you get my hopes up? And she's like, but if an opening happens, we would love to have you. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I didn't put too much into it. I did not want to teach high school again ever in my life. But my marriage was coming. And I was like, okay, I have to take care of a wife. So I guess I should. And so finally, like, like I was like, anything, God, anything and nothing. And then March comes around and one of the, the math teachers quit. So they invite me in for an interview. And I remember going in and I had this other job that I really wanted. But they offered me the job here. And I was like, oh, God, I really don't want this. Please, God, I don't want to have to go back to high school. But the other job denied me again. They said they're going in a different direction. So I was like, fine, I need a job right now. And I can tell you this honestly, every year has been a blessing. It, literally, I go to work every day loving work. And even by May, like every teacher's like, I'm ready to be done. And I'm like, I'm OK. I could go another three months of this. And obviously, summer break is nice, so I'm happy. But here's the true reality of it. If you will honestly start talking about your issues and bringing it to God, there's a God who's bigger than anything. And I literally come to work every day saying, thank you, God, honestly, because I understood the extent of the issue. I can search every day for my lifetime and never find the right job for me. But when God is involved, he's able to help. So whatever you think is the problem of your life today, whether it's character, personal, family life, present it to God and say, God, you are so much bigger. So I ask you this, how do we handle the rebelliousness of our life? 
recognize this first, that God has a beautiful life for you. And if you're okay with the life that you have right now, continue. But if you're interested in living a life that's better, a life that God has ordained for you, walk with him. Walk with him and go away from your rebelliousness. Where do we start the process? What was the first thing I said? Admit your problem. The second you can admit, I think you are on the right step. The second thing was what? See the greatness of God and recognize he's able to do so much more. I'm going to end um, with one more final thought. Um, so can I ask, in the first part of it, where was Jonah when he was doing this prayer? Okay, <laughs> right? He was in the middle, in the belly of a fish, thanking God. Isn't that interesting? God solved one issue, and then he's in the next issue, right? He, God never said, hey, I'm going to let you out in three days. He's just sitting in the belly of a fish, and he's like, man, he probably could have thought, man, am I about to get like digested by this fish? <laughs> right? In the middle of his problem, he started thanking God for the things he already had done. But what I want you to take is maybe you're in a problem right now, and you're like, I don't know. I don't have anything to be thankful for. Look at what he's already done for you, right? Start thanking him for what he's done, and the new thing will be taken care of. Because you see, at the end of his prayer, what happens? And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So it's interesting, the more that in the midst of your situation, you look back at your old problems that were so hard, and you say, thank you, God, He's like, let me, let me work on behalf of them. They, they know how to take, they know how to use their past to strengthen them in the present. So I want to encourage you today, if you're in the midst of an issue or something that's too hard to handle, look at what God has already done. Give him thanks and your victories are coming. Rebelliousness is a thing that God does not like. But I think if we're willing to just admit and see the goodness of God, there is this beautiful life that God has. And at the end of it, more than anything that you will do, you will just give thanks to God. At the end of it, I'm telling you this, every issue that he helps you through, you will just say, thank you, God, because I couldn't do this on my own. Thank you, God. And so I'm just going to end. You know, I want you to honestly think, think about that for yourself. Are you, is there any area of your life that you feel like may be rebellious that you need to submit? And if there is, offer that to God today and ask God, God, won't you speak to me? God, give me grace to begin to spend time with myself. And for any, anyone even listening online, start spending time with yourself and seeing the issues of your life and verbalizing that. Admitting the issue doesn't necessarily mean your issue will be fixed. I want to tell you that just because you admit things are hard doesn't mean it's going to be fixed right away. But the second you understand the depth of your problem, you recognize the need of God. And God is so big and so great. So I just want to encourage you today. Take some time and ask God to speak to you. And like I said, my hope is that at the end of the day, as you see the victories that God has for you, you long for Him more. You give your heart's affection to Him more. And every problem of your life you take to him because you know that he is the solution of this life.